Amy Ingerbetson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes and industry legends. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there are no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Winter vacation is calling. The Icon Pass unlocks powder playdates, breathtaking views, and unique mountain adventures across the world. It's not too late to have the ultimate winter vacation. Drop in now. Last chance to buy is December 12th. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Long Underwear. I'm your host, Amy Ingerbretson, and I am joined today by none other than Rob Kingwell. Hello. Kinger, also known Kinger. as Kinger, right? Yep. This is the... Call me whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Hi, Rob. Welcome. Thank you. Um, it's a real honor to be on the show. Yeah. We're happy to have you. You are uh, a legend in terms of Warren Miller appearances. And so I just want to start with asking you, how many Warren Miller movies have you been in? Uh, this movie will be my 10th Warren Miller appearance. And I've been doing them wow. since 1999 or 2000, I think. So. Wow. Um, yeah, just kind of an interesting legacy and just so honored always to get picked to be back in the movie and I and feel like you always get the best segments too I know we, we go out and more than anything like for me when I go on these trips it's all about like having fun and adding that element of humor to it yeah as well you know we're always we've been on some really epic adventures with Warren Miller that you know you could never in some ways ever repeat in any other way besides being on a film crew trying to totally. capture those moments and uh, but just like throwing in some of those elements of humor and really trying to, you know, show where we are and how we feel about it out there. And that, that kind of comes through. And it's usually with friends like Seth Westcott, you know, where we're so tight that yeah. that comes across well. And this year, again, more friends with Ryland Bell and Morgan Hebbard, where we were in Switzerland. So it's just, you know, adventures with your friends always come across, you know, fun and interesting to watch. Totally. Do you have any trips that like stand out or your favorite? Or I mean, I know it's hard because like I said, I think you've been on all the coolest trips. Yeah. But we, do you have like a standout? trip if you had to pick one just right now i think trip of a lifetime was definitely when we got to go to nepal and we were in uh, annapurna's sanctuary and more than anything that one was just like this crazy challenge to capture at least some snowboarding moments um the truth behind that whole thing they watch if you watch the movie they're like it took them 12 hours to get to nepal and in reality it took us eight days to get to nepal because of Planes had crashed on the on the uh, runway there in oh in gosh. Kathmandu, and there was all this stuff, and we were just stuck on this epic journey. And I took it as like, well, let's film the adventure, you know, like this is all part well, of the journey. And then they got the awesome Kathmandu song. Yeah, totally. And that was my, <laughs> that was my doing. Uh, Josh Haskins, who's the producer, was like, I'm not sure we can afford that song, and I was like, Josh, we're using that. We song. We gotta get it because <laughs> I'd spent the whole trip, all eight days in the airport singing to myself and singing to my GoPro and making Seth Westcott learn the, the, the lyrics that <laughs> we're going to Kathmandu so that yeah. it could make it in the movie. I yeah. just thought that was a clever way to like transition. It was awesome. So, you know, and luckily Warren Miller pulled some strings and they got that song. That's and, awesome. And, you know, that just trip more than anything was all about for us. Um, you know, it's, it's still a third world country there and 
just it's such a mind-blowing experience to be in a place like India or Nepal and experience what I think is more true humanity. Like if God or aliens are looking down on Earth, they're not really looking at us, you know, in Jackson Hole in our little (laughs) utopian ideal of I ski every day and, yeah, everything's cool and I've got lots of free space, you know, like the true humanity and people are really in those places and they're just so packed together but they're learning how to get along you know it's this kind of collective consciousness even just driving down the street there's no street lights and it's like Mm. a nine lane highway going one way or the other and people just work together there and it's really beautiful to to. see it's also terrifying as a a person from Jackson Hole because I'm not used to that many people around but man that was a really wonderful trip I'm dying to go to Nepal my dad's been twice and he's traveled all over the world and he basically says the same thing and yeah it's like his favorite place he's been and he's also had horrific travel experiences getting there yeah it's the one worth it though right yeah there's a doctor here in Jackson that does a lot of uh free medical clinic stuff there in Nepal and he's like what happens in Nepal is it nothing happens until it happens right like do not have expectations and so for us we actually waited two weeks just to find our bags um, on that trip so we went and did all the other stuff and we rode on elephants through giant rivers and did you know hung out in the jungle and met so many beautiful people and we searched the entire country I swear of Nepal for snowboards because our bags didn't show up and we're like well let's find some we'll just go ride them whatever they are and they just that the sport of snowboarding doesn't exist and I feel like one of my favorite memories forever will be um, I decided right at the end of the trip, I left a snowboard there at Annapurna Sanctuary so that all the local Sherpa guys could snowboard and anybody that walked their butts all the way up there could go riding. And, and just thinking that's like this perfect little bit of memory where I'm just like, you know, somebody may be just riding my snowboard in the Himalayas right now, you know, and that's, that's like so one of the coolest cool. things ever. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. Ah, that's awesome. So for this year, obviously you were part of Timeless. Yep. And but in a little bit different capacity, is that correct? Yep. This year, um, I had a different capacity from being just a full-blown athlete. Uh, but they brought me on more as a photographer and as the GoPro guy. So yeah. I was shooting a lot of the behind-the-scenes type stuff. And, and where were you again? And we were uh, in Zermatt, Switzerland, and basically all over in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, and just. Oh, it was this incredible trip. Uh, Switzerland Tourism put it together, so we got a chance to go to all these incredible restaurants, like they call Michelin star restaurants. They set us up to go visit the restaurant, and then we rode all day. And it was just an unbelievable trip. I mean, and the conditions were pretty good. And it was definitely a different thing where my intention for being there was to just capture that experience and really help Ryland and Morgan uh, with their GoPro type stuff. And I shoot a lot of time lapses and other things like that along the way. And one of the funny things that would probably throw them under the bus, but Morgan uh, got all the way to Switzerland after flying, you know, like all... 10 hours or something like that from the U.S., and his passport had expired, and they wouldn't let him in the country. So the director, Chris Patterson, looked at me and was like, guess you're in the movie. (laughs) And so I actually rode in the movie. I don't know what the segment looks like, but I'm a rider in the movie, and I filmed a lot of the, all the GoPro stuff. So then you're just double timing. Double timing. Basically, like, Chris is, like, having me ride these big mountain lines with, like, a 20, I, I measured my 
pack and it was 28 pounds with all the batteries. Dang. So I was basically the director's Sherpa for all the batteries <laughs> and all the heavy stuff. Like, you carry this and I'll shoot the camera. And oh, by the way, you have to ride down that too with that yeah. and make it look good because it's going to go in the movie. Oh, and so, man. Yeah, double time. It's like all your years of Warren Miller trips have like led you. <laughs> exactly. All stacked Nobody up together. else would be able to deal with that. But part of the deal was like, no matter what, like all the segments, especially with Seth that I've been a part of, I always sh- shot a lot with my GoPro and, and shot a lot of photos and was, you know, it's just part of being on that trip is trying to capture as much as I can because I just love being on the trip so much. And so I think Chris Patterson and, and the Warren Miller guys uh, saw that as an asset. Yeah. And we were like, you know, you do this anyway. Right. Like, why not? You're, you're now you're hired yeah. to be a but part of Yeah, but that's like this. a cool like progression, I yeah. think. Yeah. And when I, I went to film school in Bozeman, and if I could tell my younger self, like, hey, man, someday you'll be hired as a Warren Miller photographer, cameraman, you know, like, just pinch me now. It's pretty, uh, it's a really amazing honor. How cool is it to be with a company for 10 years and then still be having those pitch me, pinch me moments? Right. No, absolutely. Like, every, it always comes through, like... Seth and I have this kind of look we give each other every time that we manage to get in a helicopter. And I have that same look with uh, the boys in Switzerland. We got to go heli skiing in Zermatt. And I looked at Ryland and Morgan and was like, are we really getting in a helicopter in Switzerland? You know, it's just like these peak experiences that I've gotten to have through Warren Miller, like has really just enriched my life. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. Well, I feel exactly the same, but I have some news. We can't talk about skiing or snowboarding anymore because we're not supposed to talk about that on this podcast. We talk about it all the time. So are you down for the no S word part of this? I will do my best. That which shall not be named shall not be named if I can do the best. But that S word is so integrated with who I am and what I do. I hear you. I hear you, but I'm I'm challenging you, Rob. All right. Okay. Bring it on. From now on, no S word. I heard you give cookies if you say the S word. I get cookies if you say the S word. What if you say the S word? Well, you know, it's my podcast. No. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's do this. No S word. So I want to know about Avalon Seven. I know this is a company that it's going to dance very closely to the S word, but I want to know about how you've taken, I mean, you, you've been working on this business for a long time. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah. How long have you had this business going? And, and what is it for the listeners uh, that aren't familiar? So I have a adventure accessories company called Avalon 7 based here in Jackson Hole. Um, for me, it's always been more of an art project and a way to give myself a job uh, outside of the S word industry yeah. um, or where I'm not an athlete within that industry yeah. and just kind of like build a foundation of a business that I could run myself and not have to go work for anybody else. Cause as an S word, you're a very independent human totally. for the most part. And it was just like, you know, I'd love to work for somebody else, but I'd rather go and start building something from the ground up that hopefully someday will, will cover my, my mortgage, which it does now. So I started Yay. that in 2005. I was actually on a reality TV show in Park City, Utah, Oh, yeah? um, picked to live in a house with eight other S words, and uh, they, yeah, it was a total train wreck of a reality TV show. That what didn't network even, was it supposed to be with? I don't. They hadn't even sold it, oh, and they man. stuffed us in this mansion that was this crazy. It was really poorly built, as far as like the flow to the whole building was like stairs everywhere, and it actually, I think, from a feng shui wise 
created so much chaos within the production crew and all the athletes and some a bunch of the athletes were not really there to S word. They were there to party and, and mm-hmm. have a good time. And yeah. nobody really went S wording. No. Besides me, because I love to S word. But um, anyway, I was trapped <laughs> in this house with a bunch of idiots and friends and was like, man, like I'm 32 years old and I need to come up with a way to move forward in life. And like either I go get a job or I build something right now. And uh, you know, like I always think of the S word as the center uh, star in the constellation of everything I do. And yeah. uh, so building an accessories company seemed like a good way to like get out of the world, have something simple and, uh, and you still know, have it kind of yeah. orbit around. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, um, and 15, almost 15 years later, um, it does cover my mortgage and I have a lot of really great, uh, products and relationships with all sorts of entities like I do a lot of stuff for ski patrols and so basically we make um, face masks like neck tubes mm-hmm. buff type things like that that's our and they're primary awesome and you product. work with like local artists and, and stuff. I work with local artists mostly mountain based artists and yeah. I also like I've worked with Sage Catabriga Losa and Lindsay Dyer and yeah. you know athletes that are also artists. also artists and that's you know one of the foundational ideas is just because it's so small we can take risks on artists that are just emerging sure and so that's one of my the more fun things I do is go out and find somebody where I'm like, wow, this is really cool. I have a girl named Vanessa Black that's just loves painting mountains and is, is part of the culture and she has really great work. And it was just like, you want to do a, you know, like artist series face mask? And she's yeah. just way into it. So like that is a really exciting part of the business. And I, I work closely with Jackson Hole to do a lot of stuff and, and just having that business, you know, side cover all the quote-unquote pro S-wording that I do, mm-hmm. like, um, kind of subsidizes that and carries me on so that I can continue to be yeah. an S-worder also. <laughs> it's, it's cool how many of the athletes I've had on this podcast that are, they've started their own businesses yeah. and how those, like, things can kind of, those skills you gain as an athlete then translate into, like, operating a business. But one thing, like, when I, you know, following the brand and all that, there's this really strong positive messaging that's also associated with the brand. And I, so maybe tell me a little bit more about that and where that comes from. It seems like to me that's, like, almost as important as the actual products. Right, yeah. So for me, the medium is the message in a lot of ways where we have an opportunity to spread positivity and and kind of basically the culture of snowboarding, or I said it, I owe you a cookie. <laughs> One cookie. The culture of S-word. I knew we were going to be tap dancing it's on the line so, here. <laughs> you just set it up. You just want free cookies. I see how this goes. Um, but that culture is a culture of progression. Um, it's also a culture of adventure and uh, in people being individualistic and creativity and all those things combined. And, uh, you know, that's just really who I am from a core level. And I've been coaching for 20 plus years as well as the head coach at the camp of champions. And, and so teaching people how to do better on the mountain, um, and the mindset that it takes has always been something that I've been a part of. And mm-hmm. then that just carries directly into the brand message and yeah. the rest of it, where it's like the concept of like next level vibes and even the name Avalon seven means kind of that next level, um, concept where you're always trying to progress yourself. You're always, you know, trying to inspire each other as well. Like the but community. even as like a, in a personal way, as like a human being. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that I think st- 
S-wording and S-wording all give you great skills, especially in the modern environment where like, that's why I'm so big into getting kids into being on the mountain is that it teaches you a level of independence and free thought and, and uh, kind of gets you out of that bubble of protection that modern society puts you into. You know, Absolutely. like, put your seatbelt on, wear your helmet, you can't see this, you can't do this, versus mm-hmm. we're going to throw you on the mountain, you got to get down and don't kill yourself. You and know? it's up and, to you. And it's up to you. And that responsibility. For me, like, I think um, big core value for me is like, you know, helping kids today be full-blooded humans is mm-hmm. what I kind of think of is where it's like we're kind of missing that connection to totally. to being authentic, just a human that's sitting in a cave and can start a fire, can go get food. They can survive being on in the outdoors for five there's minutes. There's so many people on this planet. They're very far away from that. Totally. And beyond that, there's this spiritual connection that you get by being outside totally. that there's, you know, as humans, we've created this great landscape of media and phones and distractions and apps that we stare at those screens all day long and that kind of supplants that real life experience and ultimately I don't think it ever for me it never really fulfills that true spiritual experience that I have when I'm on the mountain yeah so it's kind of like making products with Avalon 7 that uh um allow people to have better like empower them in the outdoors and have them have better experiences be more comfortable but still like let them get out there and get after it and find out who they really are mm-hmm. is really kind of like one of the core yeah. reasons I'm doing it. You know, I love that. The world doesn't need another t-shirt brand. Really, no. you know? It's just like, so how can I spread what I teach in coaching through yeah. the product and the brand itself? I love it. Well, I mean, it comes through. Yeah, I thanks. feel it. I okay. like it. I love yeah. it. Sometimes I think I'm taking crazy pills. I wake up every day trying to refine those messages and, and see how well, I can like, put Well, they're good crazy into... pills. Yeah, Everybody likes a little crazy. So, a little crazy. <laughs> but yeah, all of it, I just consider it's that's my art, you know, that I'm putting out there. And, um, you know, it's not for everybody, but it's just like creating something that means something. The world's really important to me. Yeah. And, and having a positive impact. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. It's cool. So something else I believe is true. You were in a band. I was in a band. <laughs> yeah. Well, what kind of band was it? What was the name? What kind of music? The band. What was your name? role? You were the lead singer? I was the lead singer for like half of the songs. Um, the band's name was Yeti. We were together for about three years. Um, we were a Rage Against the Machine and Tool cover band, primarily, at least from my the songs that I got to sing. And the boys sang some other songs, so they'd bring me on stage, then kick me off and bring me out. Um, they, the uh, band itself, the other guys, um, I don't really play a musical instrument well enough to stand on stage and play it in front of people, so I just jump around and sing stuff. You perform. But they were an inc- really incredible group of musicians, especially our drummer. Yeah. And, you know, like, Tool is very complex music. Oh, yeah. And one of the hard parts for me was like, I've always been a Tool fan, but not like a super Tool fan. And so I had to learn a lot of the songs. And uh, if you, they're, the, the way the music is, it's kind of interwoven and, you know, they start and five minutes later, everything comes together as long right. as, you know, everybody's playing. And it's like this giant tapestry. But as the singer, if you come in in the wrong spot, it screws everything up. Right. So they used to just be like, no, not then, you know, like, you're messing <laughs> us up, you know, and you're just like, okay. But that was, um, I love performing in front of people and playing music and singing in front of people. And I really draw a parallel between that and like dropping in 
on a line on the mountain because yeah. I'm just terrified. Yeah. You know, like first riff drops in and you're waiting for that moment when you're actually supposed to start. <laughs> and you're like, am I going to forget everything? Am I going <laughs> to blow this, you know? But then once you're able to like just drop into that moment, you're like fully present and, you know, yeah. nothing else matters and you're having the time of your life. And That's it's so just, cool. And it's the, the best thing is like you can't actually die on stage versus right. with that which shall not be named, you can die. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a nice way to go. But you still as... get that like exhilaration, right? Oh yeah, you feel like you're gonna die. I mean, I love seeing live music, and I can't sing for beans, but I love so. M- I have so much admiration for people that can and can share that. Yeah, I'm not sure I can sing for beans either, but I sure had a good time trying. <laughs> Would you have like a favorite show or best show you um, played, or something that, like sticks out, like some? I think my favorite show we ever played was at the Mangy Moose here in Jackson Hole. Oh, okay, sick. Which is like kind of a legendary stage. Sure. And there's been amazing bands beyond there. And uh, we came out with the Rage Against the Machine song, uh, Bulls on Parade. Absolutely. And it's just like... Boom, and you're watching people mosh, and you're kind of the, you know, as the band, you're creating that energy, and it's getting reciprocated by the, by all the people in the crowd, and I've never seen people go that crazy, and it was just so fun That's to be a part so of that. That's so sick. Just for once, I was like, I, you know, I felt like a rock star for a minute, and That's I was just awesome. like, okay, we got that. Since then, like, all the band members all moved away from Jackson, and I'm all by myself, and no. keep trying to come up with a way to do another project that's, like, maybe not so heavy. It's yeah. hard. Heavy metal all the time, actually, is really hard to, like, practice, because the, totally. the resonance and the tones and the like that just really pounding sound actually made me depressed when yeah. we were like practicing some songs and I'd stand in front of the, I could see that. the amplifier and you're just like <laughs> and four hours later you're like oh my oh god, god I just feel like I got my ass kicked what yeah. just happened you know like so um, I'm kind of a high energy positive guy so there's like I like playing in reggae bands and freestyling. I like yeah. to do a lot of freestyle rapping stuff too, so here and there. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so multi rap to tool Yeah, rap to tool <laughs> rap to whatever. Yeah, we used to have one of my yeah favorite memories, I guess, was I, fi- I got a rap with uh, Sean Farmer, who's a prof- like was the original professional uh, S-word rapper. Yeah. And we were in Alaska at a bar, and we went for like three hours straight of just freestyling, and it was just like... That's awesome. Am I really a part of this? This is killer, <laughs> you know? So it's all it's all fun, man. And, you know, music and S-wording and making art is all part of that same energy, and you just kind yeah. of like shift back and forth and get a chance to play and create, and it's That's awesome. so rad. Yeah. I love it. So then... I've asked people on the podcast before, what's your go-to karaoke song? Like, if you're, like, Uh, an actual singer and, like, you must partake in karaoke when it's presented, what's, like, your go-to song? Like, I need to nail this. I'm in front of a room, a bar of people right now that want to hear something. Right. Um, Actually, I think my go-to song would be Young MC Bust a Move. Oh, yeah. That's, like, a crowd pleaser. But you know all those words. Oh, yeah. You can stick right on that. do that all, yeah, all day. Oh, my God. I love it. uh, And my first time I ever did it was actually, first time I ever did karaoke actually was with Kelly Clark in New Zealand and we sang that song together. No way. And yeah, in New Zealand there's a bar there that has karaoke every Thursday night or whatever. I and love if you're it. you down there for a month, you're like, well, let's go sing karaoke. You know, and um, I did, like I said, I'm terrified to like step up and do it in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it's just so much fun to, yeah. you know, perform and try to, to do it. Oh, on and stage. I'm sure people love it when you sing that song. That's a good answer. I like the answer to that question. All right, so my next question for you is if you had a superpower, what would it be? Mm, I think 
My answer to that would definitely be to be able to fly. Yeah. And be strong enough to land poorly, I guess, too. You know, you're like, <laughs> like I can take fly, but by the, yeah, you got to take hits because you're going to be like doing dumb stuff, even if, you know, you're flying around. And, it's a funny perspective on wanting to fly. Right. You're yeah. right. But at the same time, I think that's kind of what all mountain people really are looking for. Um, yeah, that's When you're definitely. out doing your thing on the mountain, um, I think... S-wording is about as close to flying as you can possibly get. Totally. And that's just kind of what we're trying to achieve. We get to fly for those moments off the cliff, and the, but then, you know, it's not the air that gets you. It's the landing. Yeah, no kidding. It's easy to get off. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to land. Um, do you have flying dreams? Um... Not as often as I would like. And even, I wish I had S-wording dreams. Every now and then, it's very special. Yeah. And uh, when I have an S-wording dream. And I actually, like, remember as a kid, I was trying to learn, like, backside 720s. And mm-hmm. one of my most vivid S-wording dreams, I finally did, did a back seven, backside 720 in my dream. And I went out the next day and was able to do that trick. Oh, that's pretty that cool. Trick. That's a mind-body connection. So, yeah, definitely. I, I've basically worked for a long time on lucid dreaming and I can oh. I've taught myself how to fly because yeah. everybody would talk about having flying dreams and I didn't have them and so I was able to teach myself how to fly in my dreams but it's like Peter Pan I have to think really hard in a very like specific way hmm. and if I stop focusing I lose altitude oh really yeah and so it's really so you should try it get yeah, in, get I, mean, to, I can send you some like I can't I think of any of the books off the top of my head right now that I've used but right. I, I, I taught I myself how to do it I have moments where I'm pretty lucid and I have done that before where it's just like I have so many choices um, and flying is one of them. Um, do you wake up? Do you set an alarm and like wake up and then go back to sleep so you can maximize? So your I never dreaming? did like that much, but I definitely kept like a journal by my bed, yeah. and I would like wake up and write things. But I've always been a really vivid dreamer, so it was really easy for oh. me to learn. Like yeah. I'm like a heavy dreamer, awesome. <laughs> and that just opens up a whole new world. Yeah, I'm I love sure. it. I love it. Um, okay, what is the best advice you've ever been given in your life? Oh man. The best advice I've ever been given. Or just some really good advice you've gotten. It doesn't maybe have to be the best. I think my favorite quote slash advice concept is Winston Churchill, who just said, never, never, never give up. Um, And that's always been something for me. My parents just brought me up as somebody that you you can do anything you want to do in the world. You know, and it's like you put your mind to it, you can do it. And I somehow maybe naively believe that in so many ways where I just throw myself at like, yeah, I can be in a band. Sure. Sure. (laughs) You know, recently I got invited to do this mural for the Spread the Love Commission, which is a nonprofit in Jackson. Oh, cool. And they're like, you want to paint our mural? And I was like, yeah, never really painted a mural before, but sure, we can do that, you know? And it's been really a fun learning process. And, and, you know, that's kind of, for me, that adventure mindset of just like, you know, always go, just say yes, see what happens. And, uh, you know, from that Nepal story and that trip was one of those, I actually said, no, I'm not going to Nepal initially because they put it, made it, uh, the trip was happening right during my powder board test, which is called the Uh, Shaper Summit. And it was this, I'm like, I got to cancel my whole like event to go to Nepal. I'm not going. Yeah. And then ultimately I've worked it out and moved it. Um, so again, it's like never, never, never give up where it's like, never, never, never give up. Go on that trip. I like like it. Take that chance. Drop in. Plus like Winston Churchill, Churchill's pretty good guy. Yeah. He's an incredible guy. Good guy to capture some 
advice from. Yeah, the other thing he used to say, or one of the things I always think of that's funny about Winston Churchill, is he ran most of his campaign during the war from bed. And he was like, never stand when you can sit, never sit when you can lay down. Okay, I really like that. In the mountains, especially, (laughs) like, choosing to take a rest when you, instead of just standing there waiting for the film to be over, you know, like somebody else is shooting a line, or even if you're standing at the bar at night, that was one of the tricks I used to have when I was on the World Cup, was like, we'd go to the bar and there'd be the contest the next morning and everybody's standing around, and I'd be like subtly coming over and sitting down in a chair and being like, hey guys, yeah, we're partying, you know, and that little bit of rest sometimes can make the difference. Yeah. And I think that was something that carried him through the war, actually, with Winston Churchill as far as like... You've got to take your time to rest. I mean, that's bigger than even just that. It's just like rest. Never sit when you can lay down. And never sit when... Yeah. Yeah. Never stand when you can sit. That's amazing. (laughs) I really like the second piece of advice. (laughs) I'm going to use that. Especially because us women wear heels and stuff sometimes. Sorry, I got a break. Um, Okay, so we do this on every episode. We play a game called Two Highs and a Low. And so I want to know two highs and one low of the last year of your life completely off snow. Like nothing to do with your life as a professional, like athlete. Hmm. Let's see. Two highs and one low? Or it's like one high, one low, one high, one low? Just two highs, one low. Two highs, one low. Let's see. Highs... Probably riding my 183 winter stick swallowtail for the first time in my life on the deepest day ever at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. It's a good hive, but that has exactly oh, everything to do with the S That's word. right. And it is that, but I didn't say the S word. Okay. It's still... It's still like, you know, that's my life is doing the S word. Um, I know, but I want to know else. like you're outside of that part of your life. Right. What are we high side? <laughs> this is a challenge. It's everything because, you know... Um, I want to get like a buzzer. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. I can't even say, you know, like getting chosen to film for, be a photographer for Warren Miller. Well, that's different because that, you have I mean, S-wording, so like that's a new... That's, yeah, that's definitely outside of the Especially coming word. from your background count? at film school and stuff. Yep, yep, totally. I, I count that one as one of our non-S-word highs. That's a non-S-word high. Um, and then just even last week, I guess, I chose to do some real-life art um, and start just doing other art besides photography, graphic design and everything I did and started painting some stuff and I was at an art fair last week and and sold like three pieces and no way. that was a really cool thing to be like I spent time, you know, like the one thing you don't have enough of in life is time and what you choose, you know, that's where you got to make choices and uh, you know it was, it's always been hard to make time for making real life art that I made with my hands versus right. being like well I took the photo I edited it and then yeah. I had somebody print it you know yeah. that's not as special to me as but somebody But you sold that took they were paintings? Yep, three paintings and that wow. was a real highlight and then uh, working on doing some other real life work for uh, like hopefully this restaurant this winter some bigger pieces congratulations like, that's awesome why not yeah I always wanted to be an artist because my dad's a professional watercolor artist oh so wow seeing the world of being an artist forever yeah and always wanted to got it in your blood too got it in my blood but snowboard or the S word <laughs> I didn't say it all I don't know you, I only, you told only me this was going to be hard for you yeah. <laughs> you know it takes up a lot of time I still first and foremost am always that yeah and then Lowe's probably breaking up with my girlfriend oh. at the beginning of the year, which is just really kind of, it's always, you know, a transition and helps you like 
focus on things um, and like who you are. Like I've been swing dancing like four nights a week. Wait, you're swing dancing? That's all I do. Yeah, Wait, I love to swing dance. Yeah, really? We should I, go swing dancing. I was in a swing dancing team growing up. No way. My dad and I also like toured around and like taught swing dancing at like swing dancing conventions. I, oh I swing dan- I performed at Disneyland. Wow. I like love things swing we dancing. don't know about it. Wait, we have to go dancing. We do have to do go you, dancing. What kind of swing dancing? Um, just Coast? Western swing. Mostly, okay. Because we're in Jackson, so yeah. I'm out like four nights Cowboy a week. Swing. And they teach you how to swing dance when you're like third grade here in Jackson Hole. You of course know, they do. <laughs> in, in PE. So you have the basics. My sister's got a degree in modern dance and my whole family is kind of oh, like dancers. Cool. And like, um, So that's always been a part of me, but I've never been super, super good at it. And this summer I decided, you know, I have all this extra time and I want to go to the bar. I don't drink alcohol, but I want to go to the bar and socialize and whatever. I might as well be dancing. Do you go to church then? I do go to church, which so, is... So what the, is church? Church is... Uh, <laughs> Basically, at the Stagecoach Bar on Sunday night, they have the Stagecoach Band, which has been playing for 50 years or something this year. Um, And they're a great band, and all these old-timers come out. And one of my goals, generally, is I have to dance with four stranger girls. Yeah. And and, and it's a whole culture from swing dancing where, like... You get a chance as a guy, you have to go up and ask girls to dance. It's not like the club scene where you're just like trying to like lean up against somebody and be like, you want to dance? <laughs> this is more like you just have to Still be formal. boldly say, hello, yeah. would you like to dance? And sometimes they say no. And that's like, you're just like, oh, you said no. Okay. I, I'll be okay. I'll, I'm going to go this way. You know, like yeah. I got said no to the other day. I oh no. Like, I've, so I've been to church. Every time I come to Jackson, I want, I'm dying to go to church. And I love dancing with the old men there. That just yeah. are so. But it's hard because sometimes when you're like new to a scene, then like they don't know that you know how to dance. So like I have to go up and ask men yeah. like to dance. And like so I feel that too. Sometimes I went to the Chucky Rodeo oh. and I got in with a Reno swing dancing group. Oh. But I had to ask to dance first, you know, and they had their little click going. And I was like, yeah, so intimidating. A, it's pretty- but it's so fun. And also like... It's, um, you know, a lot of people associate dancing with a very romantic activity, which it can be, but then there's also, like, partner dancing that's very platonic and social in a way where it's just about meeting people and being a part of, like, a a team in a way. Yeah. No, there's this tight little group of uh, dancers that go on Tuesday nights, especially from the the Wart uh, Hotel and back and forth between the Cowboy Bar and the Wart. Wait, and there's probably like today? 10 or 15 people where we all dance with each other. And yeah. It, and it's always just a learning experience to dance with different people because everybody's got a little different rhythm, a little different style. Yeah. Um, some people are horrible. It's nice to get with somebody, you know, and, and dance with somebody that really knows. One well, as a guy, you to... have to know how to lead. Exactly. So you have to be thinking of the steps. But then as a woman, like it's been really hard for me with my personality, for those of you that know me, to follow. Yeah. No, and <laughs> it's a really good life lesson for me to follow. Totally. And, and with someone you don't know their style. Or a whatever. lot of girls, because not enough guys know how to dance, they dance with each other and they learn how to lead. But then they back lead. Well, and then, they, yeah, then they're never, you know, there's just not enough guys that really know how to lead. Oh, I'm so glad so that you danced. I spent the time and invested, so cool. like, a lot of time into, more than anything, it's kind of like snowboarding. I said it again. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of like that thing I do in the winter where uh, the uh, you're I'm there to learn tricks every night and like really push my abilities. Yeah. And each trick it takes a lot of time because you unless you have a partner that's super consistent, um, you know you kind of like watch and you're like, what is that guy doing? Oh, he's putting his hand behind his back. And there's these kind of complex little moves that you want to pick up. And so like I learned a couple new tricks last night even. 
You were um, at church dancing. last night? Yeah, was it last night? Yep. I jumped out. I wanted to go to church last uh, night. And oh, it was so fun. And so it's just like you build on like your basic skills and mm-hmm. then you up it with more and more complex tricks, Absolutely. just like in snowboarding. And you, you get in a flow and in a great way, you know, dancing with a woman is like dancing with a mountain. And, yeah. you know, like oh you're working God, together that's... to spin around and, and do this, you know. Best quote of the podcast so right? far. Dancing with a woman is like dancing with a mountain. And you don't I'm, always know what she's going to do. I'm going to like write that on my like mirror or something when yeah. I start manifesting. That's so cool. We got to go really dancing cool. next go time. Dancing. Yes, please. My dad and I one time, we got... Last time I was in Jackson with my dad, we got kicked out of the cowboy bar for doing aerials. Oh, right. He said, no boots over the head. Yeah, you got to be careful. There's some kids, they don't, they, actually right now they're not as tight about aerials. I don't do aerials with people because we'll like you. the idea of drop, I, I'm, one, I'm not I've that tall. I've been dropped so many I times. You, you don't have. have to be tall and you don't have to be strong. Gotcha. You just have to have the balance points. You have to know the momentum transfers. Gotcha. We'll yeah. teach you. That's my dad, something- Jeff. I would love that. Let's do that. And then I'm even actually looking at, because I really like West Coast Swing too. Yeah. um, But they don't play enough West Coast music here. Um, And in Sun Valley in October, they have like a full jazz festival where there's a lot of West Coast Swing music going on. Yeah. And I'm thinking I might have to go there in October and and listen to music. I'm so obsessed with this. This is awesome. We're going to go dancing. I love love it so much and I don't get to do it enough. Totally. Salt Lake has great dancing. Yes. So maybe you'll it be does. down there for yeah. the world premiere. Yes, the we world premiere. We could go dancing. That would be great. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm four nights a week, and I literally, I lost, like, 10 pounds dancing and doing yoga this summer. Because oh I've just been, like... Do you want to know a secret fantasy I have for my life? Hmm. That I become, like, a G-level celebrity, like, just somehow famous enough to make it on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, yes. And, like, some, like hide the fact that, I don't know, I was a professional that mom dancer. That you might have been really good at it. Nah, we won't talk about that. But, and then, like, wear the fringe outfits and win. Oh, yes. Don't you think I it's kind of a fun? Winning. Yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> like, they put my friend Louis Vito on there. They called right. him Tiny Dancer, you know? Right. Like, and he did really well. He and did. My whole life, actually, like, I've always been a dancer, and I actually run... Uh, just started an ecstatic dance event here in Jackson as well, which is kind of like freeform dance EDM type music. And there's like three rules, no drinking, no drugs, no talking on the dance floor. And so that's like once a month here in Jackson. That and uh, fun. that's a pure, like just, it's come and frolic with all your friends. Oh and, my gosh, I need to make it to one of those yeah, too. Yeah, we rent out this studio at Dancers Workshop and it's just like a non-bar context, like dancing for dances, dancing sake. Um program and I it's so it. fun so I just love it. if i Move can't your body if i can't do the s word i'm gonna go dancing. dance okay yeah. well we gotta stop talking about dancing no but more dancing. No more <laughs> we are gonna word. go dancing i promise yes. you this 100 percent. yes please okay well we're going long but i like my long podcast and so i asked you to come with a story that really doesn't have to do with s wording like i no really can't S-wording. i've got a good story for you okay tell it to me it's a story about getting lost in the desert in moab oh no so i'm a big fan of archaeology and ancient ruins and petroglyphs and pictographs and i was down in moab um, climbing and trying to figure out how to do crack climbing in India Creek. We were taking a quote-unquote day off, and we decided to go look for this pictograph called All-American Man, okay. which is a 700-year-old pictograph, pictograph meaning it was painted, yep. not chipped into the right. rock, um, that depicts this shield and a human figure, and it's all red, white, and blue, and it looks like 
like the most American thing you could ever see. It's like literally stars, almost stars and stripes. But it's how old? But it's 700 years old. It's very kind of like Upart, like why is this here? And how is that like this something that's really this uh, old and be in the context of like, yeah, of being in America. And so it's this really cool thing out there. And it's it's, uh, eight miles to go see it of hiking through the desert. And we had a crew of really fit, like adventures type folks, Kelly Halpin and Tristan Gretzo. And uh, we were, you know, it's like, oh, it's 16 miles round trip. We'll be all right. Eight miles out. No big deal. It's the day off. Go for a nice hike. And so we wandered out there. um, And this is in Canyonlands National Park. And it's like down this huge hill and it's very um, undeveloped trail system, undeveloped everything where there were some signs, but then it's like, is that the sign? And then right before we got there, it all washed out for the most part. So we were like, we think it's this way. And we just kept going and going and something that was supposed to be, you know, a mellow eight mile hike to see this thing took way, way, way longer than it was supposed to. We finally got there and it's this unbelievable thing it's a 30 feet up in this cave on the wall and it's like this anasazi ruin with their you know food storage and other stuff that you can see and it's something that not a lot of people even find because it's so hidden it sounds like it. and uh so we climbed up we looked at it and we're looking at the time it's like man it's gonna get dark soon like three hours or less and we're it took us like five hours to get here you know what are we gonna do and we thought we'd just be at day hike out and in and so don't have, have supplies. Food or yeah, and um, you know we're going out and I look back after finally seeing this pictograph up close and it was just really cool to just kind of feel the history there and kind of the mystery behind it all. And I uh, look back and there's another cave system and like the Anasazi like to build these shelters up in the caves. And I swear if you ever go there, this cave looks like a skull face. It's so Indiana Jones, like the most like do not come in this valley type thing where it's like got the eyes and the teeth and you're just like, oh my God, like, <laughs> oh, I feel like that just gave me the creepiest feeling. And so we started, we literally started running back. It was like run as fast as you can because we didn't have any water. We didn't have any fire really, um, nothing to stay out in the cold. And we had one headlamp. And needless oh, to say, gosh. we were just freaking bushwhacking through these crazy wo- weeds and like insane places where as soon as it started getting dark, we lost the trail completely. Of course. And, you know, it's like I'm from Jackson where we have the Tetons as a reference and you kind of know where you are. But in those type of lowland hills, it's just it's like harder to have. it's kind of that way to the parking lot, sort of. And I remember like we had one headlamp amongst five people so we're all like look you know you're kind of trying to look at the trail around like the four people in front of you I was on the trip tailing in yeah and it was to a point where I was like we're staying out here yeah. like we're not doing it we're not making it home and we're gonna freeze to death this went from like mellow well, like the, we're so badass but the desert can have crazy temperatures too. yeah it's and very it was, cold at night you could see your breath and I was and like and you're probably wearing shorts and a t-shirt yeah, yeah pretty much I mean we had a little bit of stuff that we would have made it um, overnight, but it was not going to be a fun one. No. And uh, we finally found the trail, and I just those those places of fear where you're just like, wow, we really screwed up here, and your phones yeah. don't work. And those are good places to go to sometimes because they really hammer home the lessons of being prepared for things like that. But so, did you get back? And that we, night? we you got did back, and it late. was but it was pitch black, and we were all so exhausted after you know like this 
supposedly like mellow day off and but for what was a lot of people by the way 16 mile day isn't mellow no <laughs> it's not but for us we're like we can yeah, run that totally. no problem but the i mean the coolest part was going out and like i'm just like so into seeing all that ancient archaeology and and thinking about the mysteries of the humans that were there before and like yeah. you know how they lived and and it's a really cool area of where it's just like there was so much going on down there yeah. and to see that ancient thing was really cool and I guess worth feeling like you were about to die well, I'm in really the glad you didn't die in the desert because then you wouldn't have been able to be on my podcast and there we go <laughs> sitting here we made and you it. wouldn't have learned how to swing dance yeah and not a single that which will not be named in that whole story I'm so proud of you yeah. you did it well Thank you so much for coming on the podcast Thank and for not me. talking about the S word with me. For people listening, where can they follow you and stay in touch with you? Uh, on Instagram is the best place to follow me, at Rob Kingwill. My brand is Avalon7, so at Avalon, the number seven. Um, I have a website and the rest of that type of stuff, and we'll just see you in the mountains. Nice, and we'll see you, obviously, out on tour for the this year's movie, Timeless, yeah. presented by Volkswagen. What stops will you be at? I'm so excited for this year's movie. I'm really interested to see all the, the, the crazy creativity that yeah, goes into the movie. Uh, I will be at the Salt Lake premiere, maybe the Boulder premiere, the Jackson Hole premiere for sure, and I'm rolling the dice whether I'm going to make it to Portland or not. Nice. Well, um, I'm in the same boat, and I will look forward to seeing you on tour because we're going to dance. I'm yes. sure all of our listeners We'll look forward to seeing the movie wherever it comes nearby to you guys. And uh, yeah, you guys can find me at Amy Ski. If you've got questions that you want me to integrate into this podcast, please let me know. Send me a message. And um, we've had a great time, Rob. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time on Long Underwear. This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment. Don't miss Timeless, presented by Volkswagen, premiering this fall. Travel the globe with athletes like myself, Amy Ingerbretson, as well as legends like Glenn Plake, Kate Zeliff, Marcus Kasten, Ian Morrison, Baker Boyd, and more. All moviegoers will receive access to discounted lift tickets, gear, and swag. Go to warrenmiller.com for more. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Ingerbretson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team. Follow Warren Miller ENT on social media to keep the good times rolling. What's going on, everyone? Hallie O'Brien here, host of the Emmy Award-winning Snow Report show presented by Ski Magazine. If you enjoyed this podcast, then you're going to love the Snow Report. We talk skiing, snowboarding, weather, gear, beer, and every episode is a guaranteed good time. Catch new shows on Tuesdays at SkiMag.com.